the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another thrill-packed edition of Unite IE Radio, the radio show for that most important political office, that of the private citizen. My name is Doug Hauser of the Redlands Tea Party Patriots and the Unite IE Coalition of Conservative and Patriot Groups, where our mission is to unite freedom-loving, America-loving Americans and magnify our strength and effectiveness in making and keeping America great, free, and prosperous. I'm sitting in for Greg Britton, who's your usual host, so you'll all have to put up with me, but hopefully I've been told that I can talk, so that's what I'm going to do. My first guest has lived in the Inland Empire since 1979, making his home in Rancho Cucamonga. Mark Gibney and his wife Agnes raised their family there and continue to live in Rancho Cucamonga today. You might recognize his wife's name, Agnes Gibney, is a very public person. She's also known as Angel Mom Agnes and was the 2020 Republican candidate for Congress in our 31st district. And she also happened to host this show last week. Mark has a background in public service, having worked 32 years for the El Monte Police Department before retiring as the deputy chief. He then worked several years as an attorney in private practice and as an adjunct professor of criminal justice before retiring again. Mark is also a local elected official. He has served as a member of the Cucamonga Valley Water District Board of Directors since December of 2019 and is now the vice president of that board. And water is why I asked Mark to be on the show today, because Mark recently told me that there is a major issue coming up that he doesn't believe many people even know about. So, Mark, welcome to the show, and tell us more about this issue that you think people should know about. Well, Doug, thank you very much. I appreciate you having me on. When it comes to water, after this past winter, I think um, most people are aware that we had an exceptional wet winter. A lot of rain, a lot of snow. Lake Oroville, Shasta Lake, are they're filled to the brim. Those are our, our two biggest reservoirs. But all the reservoirs all around the the state are are near capacity. And for the first time in years, farms and cities are receiving their full water supply from the state water project. A uh, quick question. More than enough to meet the needs of people. A, qu- a quick question. Do we have enough reservoir capacity in the state? Well, uh, I think that as we go on today, <laughs> you'll find that we don't because in spite of that condition that we're in right now, some people may have heard a news story or, or seen a headline about uh, California's new water restrictions or new water conservation rules. Maybe they didn't pay much attention to it because we do this so often on and off that uh, urge people to conserve water, and maybe they just tuned in in disbelief. Uh, but there's new rules and, and uh, regulations that aren't just on the horizon. These are rules that were passed by our legislature in 2018. And in 2018, they were looking forward and decided to put some standards on how much water people should use. 
And, and before I tell you what those are, let me mention what was considered to be a conservative estimate of how much water people were using on the average at that time or just before that time. The California Legislative Analyst Office did a, a, a study and they determined, they said the average use of water per person per day is about 85 gallons. So the legislature decided that we need a new standard. We need less water use per day. And they passed a couple of uh, laws uh, at the time in 2018, and that was AB 1668 and SB 606. And together, those established a new standard for indoor water use as far as a uh, an amount of use per day per person. And they that 85 gallons of what was probably a conservative estimate of, of what was being used per day, they didn't reduce that by just 15% or even 25%. They established guidelines that would be decreasing annually until the year 2030, they want the use to be 42 gallons a day per person. Whoa, so that is less than a half. Right, of, of what probably people were pretty standard uh, of using. Now, there's a lot of different standards or estimates on how much water people use as far as uh, in their shower, uh, uh, bath-taking, toilet flushes. It, it might vary quite a bit, but I think that 85 gallons a day uh, was a really conservative estimate. There's some groups that estimated a lot more than that. So it's going to be more than a 50% cut. Right. And this is at a time when, as, as I said, we just had a tremendous uh, winter, tremendous rainfall, a snowfall, and uh, the reservoirs are, are full. But you asked me earlier, do we have enough reservoirs? Well, earlier in the year, when a lot of that rainfall was coming down and our reservoirs were at such a level, we weren't collecting any more water. There wasn't any place to put it. <laughs> there wasn't enough capacity to send it south. An awful lot of this water comes from up north because we don't have enough reservoirs. We could use, uh, certainly use more for storage. And this whole reservoir system was, was built a long time ago. People knew that there's not a lot of water in this region. A lot of people consider the whole area of Southern California a desert. But we built this magnificent state water project that had reservoirs, and transportation, aqueduct system, and we were going to be able to to take care of water for the needs of Southern California and help with Northern California's problems with flooding by having these uh, different dams and reservoirs established. Now, since that time, one of the big problems is we added about 50 million people, and the state just hasn't kept up with the need for that population addition. I hear all the time about we need to, to use less and less water, conserve, conserve, conserve. 
But what I don't hear too much of is, do we have too many people here? Because people are coming left and right, not to mention the, the illegal aliens that are invited to come into the, into the state as a, as a sanctuary state, sanctuary cities throughout the state. And yet, we're going to these water restrictions that haven't gotten a whole lot of attention, which essentially says we don't have enough water for the people that we have here. Wow. So the last time that anything was built was when? Anything was built to, to hold water? Did you say it was in the 60s? No, well, that wasn't the last. That was primarily when most of it was built in the okay. 60s and early 70s. Um, but And overall, since then, we certainly haven't kept pace. I think uh, here in Southern California, I'm not certain if Lake, Lake Matthews was the, the last one. Uh, but even that, that's been uh, many years. I don't know offhand how, how many years. But we've also, the, the Californians have voted and have approved bond measures to build more uh, infrastructure, more reservoirs, and that hasn't been spent. They, they approved about $7 billion more than 10 years ago in uh, what was Proposition 1, I believe. And for a number of reasons, probably the most of which is environmental attacks, they just haven't been built. Nothing's been built for that $7 million. It's been sent on, uh, been spent on uh, 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 project uh, plans and fighting environmentalists who fight to have these uh, done. There, uh, there's one plan for up north, the Sites Reservoir, and that's been on hold for uh, I, I don't know, more than 10 years. For, it, it's just delay after delay. Oy. There's a, a an excellent PragerU video about why it is just so tough to get anything built in America, and it's always a combination of the environmentalists and the unions, um, and it just makes it impossible to get anything done compared to Europe or or Asia or almost any place else in the world. Um, this is just a disaster. So I have a couple of basic questions, like. When you talk about this um, 85 gallons that we currently probably use per person, that is not counting uh, water for agriculture. I understand water for agriculture is more than the water for uh, residential use. Is is that correct? Yeah, I think it's been f- estimated that of California's water pie, if you want to look at it in terms of that, um, about 15 to 20 percent goes to uh, for agricultural use. Um, maybe as much as uh, 70 to 80 percent for environmental use, which includes releasing water that eventually flows out to the ocean. Uh, I can tell you more about that in a moment. That, that, that's interesting. <laughs> environmental use means releasing the water so it flows to the ocean. That's environmental use. Well, p- part of that is. Uh, one of those big efforts is to save uh, uh, a little fish called the Delta smelt. Ah, I've heard of that. And it's been an effort to release water into rivers that will help their uh, reproduction rate and um, increase their numbers. We uh, The amount of water they hope to save with these uh, restrictions that are, are upcoming will be 
dwarfed, even if completely successful, that everybody in California participates would be completely successful, the amount saved would be dwarfed by the amount of water that's released to save the Delta smelt every year. Uh, and in 30 years, ask me how their numbers have increased. Wow, wow. They haven't at all. There's been no increase. Right, in right, in the, in the Delta smelt numbers. Wow. So, um, and you asked me about how much is used for residential use. It's, it's about 5 to 7% maybe of California water. So there's tremendous restrictions about to be placed on Californians for their residential water use uh, when we already get – it's a very small amount of the pie. Wow. So the efforts to conserve water uh, are, are – Mark, Mark, can you stay with us for another segment here? We're up against a break. This is this is absolutely incredibly important uh, for the whole future of the state. So uh, right now, let's hear from Ed Hoffman of United American Mortgage, the place to go for your real estate lending needs. We'll be back after this. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage and host of the main event right here on AM 590. The answer mortgage rates are up, but credit card rates are way higher and credit card balances have hit an all-time high as inflation puts the squeeze on everyone's budget. Not to mention how auto loan rates and payments have gone through the roof. Let me point out, it doesn't matter how low your existing mortgage interest rate is if you can't make the payments on everything else. Are you wondering what to do? Do you need some financial strategy? Want to talk to someone who thinks like you? Call me at 855-640-2020. We'll discuss a strategy that works for you today and also considers what happens when the interest rates drop as we move into the inevitable recession. To have that discussion, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020, or go to edhoffman.net and click on the United American Mortgage logo. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921. United American Mortgage Corporation, NMLS ID number 1942. United American Mortgage Corporation is an equal housing lender and licensed by the California Department of Real Estate. AM 590, the answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. I'm Doug Hauser of the Redlands Tea Party Patriots and Unite IE Coalition of Conservative Patriot Groups. I'm pleased to be talking to Mark Gibney, who is currently the uh, a member of the Cucamonga Valley Water District Board of Directors, and he, actually he's the vice president of that board, and we've been talking about water, and one of the things that Mark has pointed out is that even though we just had a very wet winter, an excellent wet winter, which we always like to have um, in Southern California because we are basically in a desert, and the reservoirs, such as they are, are all filled to capacity, it is not enough water to meet the needs. And... Um, Sacramento, uh, a few years ago in 2018, passed two laws, AB 1668 and SB 606, that are going to require that over the next uh, 15 or so years, 17 years, uh, water use by individuals is going to have to be cut in half from an estimated 85 gallons a day that individuals use to 42 gallons a day. And that's in spite of the fact that uh, individual household use of water in California is only, what did you say, Mark, 7 to 10% of the total water pie? 
Uh, probably more like 5%, 5 to 7%. 5 maybe. to 7%. And that's, of course, where it's going to be cut. And nothing new has been built or very little new has been built in spite of uh, $6 billion approved by the voters for building more infrastructure. And it didn't get spent on that. The environmentalists fight it every step of the way. And a bunch of water is going to go for what he called environmental use, which basically is releasing the water so that it flows to the sea and so that the Delta Delta smelt can reproduce, even though uh, his statistics show that their numbers have not increased significantly over the last what X number of years that that's been going on. So, uh, Mark, would you uh, tell us some more about what is about to uh, hit the fan here? So the the legislature set these objectives back in 2018. Now it falls on the State Water Resources Control Board to try to make some rules and regulations for the local water agencies to achieve achieve these objectives. And they've issued a notice of proposed regulatory action, and they have a public hearing coming up. And that public hearing will take place October 4th in Sacramento. And the good part about this is that there's a written comment period, and interested persons can submit comments on what they think about these proposed uh, regulations. And they can do that by letter, by fax, uh, mail to the clerk of the board, or probably the easiest way is an email. And that email should be sent to comment letters, that's C-O-M-M-E-N-T-L-E-T-T-E-R-S, at waterboards, with an S, dot dot I'm sorry, dot California, I'm sorry, dot CA dot gov. So that's comment letters at waterboards dot CA dot gov. And in the proposed uh, uh, subject line, or in the subject line, they should write, this is a comment letter hyphen proposed making con- conservation a California way of life regulation. Wait, wait, repeat that. That whole whole thing comes from the the term of the the legislature titling this, making conservation a way of life, uh, which I think it's much more than conservation. This is is rationing and just outright utter restrictions. So you're saying that the comment or the subject line should say, making conservation a way of life, comment letter no I, i'm i'm sorry yeah most of that but it should say comment letter comment. hyphen propose making con conservation a california way of life regulation and i know that's a <laughs> that's a, a mouthful wow uh, but all also they, they don't want to make it easy for people to comment do they well they, they don't want to make it too easy to find much information on this also but the information is available on their website, and that's the uh, their website. I'm sorry, just a second here. That's okay. And I'm also going to ask you, what should people specifically say? Should they encourage Sacramento to actually build more infrastructure? Should they encourage them to repeal these these AB sixteen sixty eight and SB six hundred six? What what exactly should should people Say. Yeah, I think it's important to point out alternatives other than these draconian uh, uh, restrictions that they're about to place on us, as if we're in a third world country that doesn't have any resources or ability to build infrastructure. 
and and I think those those uh, alternatives are things like increasing the capacity of existing reservoirs, building a new reservoir or new reservoirs, and stopping the uh, sending the water out to the ocean to try to save a little fish. They're they're making efforts. There's also salmon. They're destroying existing dams in order to help the salmon. And that decreases our storage already of what we have. It also decreases the ability to, to produce hydroelectric power, which you probably know we have a little issue about electricity in the state yeah, also. Exactly. They're trying to get everybody by electric cars, and then they tell us, uh, don't use your electricity for half the day. Uh, just fantastic. Imagine when uh, when 20 million people or 30 million people all have electric cars that need to be charged, uh, I don't know, weekly, maybe maybe more. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So if, if people want to learn more about this and and, uh, and get some of what I already mentioned, they can find it on the look for the water for the website of the State Water Resources Control Board, State Water Resources Control Board. And that happens to be www.waterboards.ca.gov. And then if they want to find in this particular thing, use their search window on their website uh, to, to search the site for making conservation a way of California life. Yeah, and I think that title, Making Conservation a California Way of Life, it has such a, a nice sound to it. Yeah. Who could possibly be against conservation? Right, and, and and I don't think Californians are. I think the point, one of the important point of this is that they making these regulations. They're about to make these regulations after forty, fifty years of conservation effort, and Californians have done an excellent job of achieving conservation. You know, I can remember back when, not long after I first came to California, I was a kid we were being told to put a brick in the toilet and that would help displace the water so we didn't flush so much water. You didn't need to flush so much water. Well, those conservation efforts have, have changed a lot from that, but people have have grown up knowing that water is a resource that's not to be wasted and using conservation efforts. There's been you know a lot of devices that have been developed to help with that, uh, low flow devices on on faucets and shower heads, uh, toilets a, a lesser uh, uh, lesser capacity, washing machines uh, also. I, I've got washing machines uh, now. If we wanted to f- discuss the effectiveness of it, I I've got a washing machine that is low water. I sometimes take laundry out of there that didn't even totally get wet. And right. still has detergent on it. We have, so. a sim- I have a similar problem with a dishwasher, where it sometimes takes two times through, or or you take the dishes out of the dishwasher, and then you got to wash them in the sink with, with running water again, um, because it's right. a low-flow dishwasher. So these so things, while well-intentioned, they end up being incredibly counterproductive. Trying to calculate how much the average daily use when you have a, a toilet flush of 1.6 gallons or uh, a washing machine that uses a, a, a low volume, only to have people have to flush twice or to have to run their washing load a, a second time. 
we're not, we're not achieving the efforts of, of the uh, amounts that they think we are. But in, in total, though, in, in total, over the last 40 years, uh, 40 or 50 years, Californians are using probably at least 40% less water than they did 40 or 50 years ago. Conservation efforts have worked, and and they can continue to work without these draconian measures of saying you will get 42 gallons a day to use. Wow. To me, it seems like when you talk about the electric grid and you talk about the water and you talk about this, it, it almost seems, and the taxes, it almost seems like they want to chase people out of the state. I mean, I find that hard to believe that a state would do that, but we know our population is going down. We lost one congressional seat, and uh, surveys afterwards show that we actually should have lost two congressional seats, um, that so many people are leaving. And yet they won't secure the border, you know, which would help, right, control the population a little bit. Uh, just recently I saw the number that within a very short time, 10% of the people in the United States are going to be illegal aliens. This is just horrific. The, 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 you know, it's over 30 million. We got 330 million in the country, so it's getting really close. Maybe we can uh, ask them to bring their own water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pack the water in on the backs. Oh, my God. Now, something I'd like to mention also, the, okay. the, the State Water Board goes to every effort to make this uh, a thing for the water agencies, the, the water suppliers to take care of, and sometimes even say they, the fines will be for the water agencies. There's only uh, water agencies collect the revenue from one source. That's the rate payers. There's only going to be one source that pays for any fines. Right, exactly. The the water board is not paying the fines. The the users are going to be paying the fines. Exactly. So so this is so vital. This is such a vital issue. I, I encourage every listener to go to that website, www.waterboard.cat.gov, and see what's going on. And water boards with an water, S. Oh, water boards. I'm sorry, with an S. Okay. And to go to uh, their email and send comment letters, uh, comment letter dash making conservation, proposed making conservation a California way of life regulation is your subject line and encourage these guys up there, guys and gals up in Sacramento, to do something about this, to build more infrastructure, to control the population, to, uh, you know, make these cuts less draconian. Uh, as Mark said, we've already cut our use, individual usage, so we, they can continue to, to try to uh, promote that idea and maybe let less flow go to quote unquote environmental uses. Um, you know, I understand the, the significance of salmon. He was talking about salmon before. That's of also a very important resource. The Delta smelt, I'm not so sure, is quite such a vital resource as salmon. Um, so I want to thank you so much, Mark, for coming in and talking to us about this absolutely vital issue for the future of California that is being so badly mishandled by, by the, the people in Sacramento. And uh, thanks for, for helping us with your expertise. Thank you for having me on, Doug. Appreciate it. Great, great. Okay, so uh, once again, time for our break halfway through. We'll be back after this with a new guest. AM 590, The Answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. 
My name is Doug Hauser of the Redlands Tea Party Patriots and the Unite IE Coalition of Conservative and Patriot Groups, where our mission is to unite freedom-loving, America-loving Americans and magnify our strength and effectiveness in making and keeping America great, free, and prosperous. Uh, Greg Britton, the usual host, is away this week, and so I'm sitting in for him. And uh, so far, so good. That If you heard that first segment, absolutely vital, vitally important. Uh, water and the future of our state and what we can do about uh, the mishandling of the situation by Sacramento. And my next, the next issue is going to be also equally as important. My next guest is Susan Shelley. She's well known to those of you who attend the Redlands Tea Party meetings. She is the Vice President of Communications for the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association. She's also an opinion columnist at the Southern California News Group and a member of the editorial board there as well. She's also the host of the Howard Jarvis podcast. We're going to talk about some of the recent developments in Sacramento. Welcome to the show, Susan. Thank you, Doug. Great to be with you. Okay, thanks so much for being here. Um, first, I'd like to talk about uh, the recent uh, attacks that has, Sacramento has been doing on Prop 13, which, of course, is the result of the work by Howard Jarvis himself and the raison d'etre, almost, of the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association. Uh, and those are ACA 1 and ACA 13. Those have both passed uh, the legislature. Ha- have they been signed by the governor yet? The governor does not have to sign these. They go from the legislature oh. directly to the ballot. So the voters will have the final say on both of these. Okay, would you they, explain to uh, the audience what they both are sure. and uh, when the election is going to be coming up and uh, and the whole circumstances about that? Okay, well, these will be on the ballot next year, probably both in November of 2024. ACA 1 is a direct attack that amends Proposition 13. It changes Proposition 13 in the Constitution. A lot of people don't realize that in addition to the property tax protection in Prop 13, Howard Jarvis very wisely put something else in there to make sure that politicians couldn't just easily raise all the other taxes after they cut the property taxes. So there's a two-thirds vote requirement. All local taxes have to go on the ballot for voter approval in that local jurisdiction. And taxes for a special purpose a dedicated purpose, not just going into the general fund. Taxes for a special purpose need a two-thirds vote to take effect. What ACA 1 does is cut that down to 55%, which means that they will pass, all these tax increases will pass much more easily when they're on the ballot, and they will be on the ballot in every election because they wrote this very broadly. They said it only applies to infrastructure, which is everything, <laughs> and public housing projects, which is everything else. So wow. this, so anytime somebody wants to put something on the ballot, a city council, a county board of supervisors, a special district, and they say, oh, this is for homelessness, that's going to count for either the affordable housing piece or the infrastructure piece, depending on what they're building. It also applies to transit agencies. So if they pass something that's a transit bailout to cover the funds that are not coming in at the fare box because people have stopped using public transit, the BART system, the metro system in L.A. County, if they put something on there for that, 55%. And they added a a special line in there that says when ACA1 is on the ballot, if it passes, everything that's on the ballot at the same time passes with that lower 55%. So even though they would have needed two-thirds, 
they will all pass with 55%. Wow. So that's as close to retroactive as you could, as they could make exactly, it. Exactly. Right. It's instantaneous. It's, right. It's, and, and let me just point out, as my degree in math tells me, that when they cut that from two thirds of a two thirds necessary to 55%, they've cut it two thirds of the way down to a simple majority, a little more than two thirds of the way down to a simple majority. So they didn't even, uh, you know, split the difference. They went right. beyond splitting the difference. Uh, just, just, just absolutely horrific. Um, what, uh, what is your feel on the chances of these passing? Um, well, there will be a nuclear war to defeat ACA one next okay, year. Okay. I mean, you will be hearing from the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association on a daily basis good, <laughs> that if good. that if ACA one passes, your taxes are going to go up after every election. You know, in two thousand, there was a, a Proposition thirty nine, which was a constitutional amendment, and it changed the vote threshold for passing school bonds because everybody was concerned about schools. That's always an easy sell to the taxpayers and the voters. But it was just bonds. It wasn't all taxes for schools, just bonds. This is all taxes, all bonds. It could affect sales taxes, parcel taxes, which are extra property taxes, utility taxes, various kinds of fees. It could affect everything. And as I said, it's so broadly written. Not only that, they added an amendment to to ACA one that they've tried to pass this several years in a row, and this year they added an amendment that allows regional government associations, like the SCAG type of regional governments, okay. to put things on the ballot also. So now it's not just city councils, it's not just counties, it's not just special districts, it's also these regional government associations that can say, well, we need to build housing to meet our arena numbers that the state is forcing us to meet, arbitrary numbers that they came up with out of the air. And if we, we don't have enough money to build enough housing units, we must have a tax increase to be compliant with the law. And they'll go to the voters and they'll say, we just can't do this without a tax increase. And it will be every ballot. It'll be always something that sounds high priority and necessary. It'll be the fire department and 911 and police and road repair. It won't be a consultant survey for new office space for the government. Right, or welfare payments. Right, or a new website for welfare payments. It won't be any of those things because that they're paying for with the taxes you already pay. (laughs) They're coming to you for everything that should have been paid with the first dollar because the popular stuff, the important stuff, they think they can make the voters vote for tax increases. But how many times before you have to leave the state? Exactly. Let's remember that the original purpose of Prop 13 was to protect seniors and people living on fixed incomes to be able to stay in their homes. They were being taxed right out of their homes. The tax rates were going up so rapidly uh, because it wasn't in any kind of voter control that uh, people were having to sell homes and move and sell homes and move and being taxed just completely out of their wealth. And for most people, for the vast majority of people, their home is their wealth. Most people do not have huge stock portfolios or, or giant bank accounts. Their home that they've paid into for 20 or 30 years, that is their wealth that they're going to leave to their kids. And so they were just being taxed to death, and that clearly is the intention to do that again. We've seen this before, that they want to put everybody in uh, stack-and-pack housing. They want people to be renters so that they can never accumulate family wealth at all. Um, th- th- this has traditionally been the way that, that poor and lower middle-class people have accumulated family wealth, and this is an all-out assault against this. So uh, let, let's keep that in mind, that that's clearly their plan. 
didn't we just defeat <laughs> just recently? Uh, was it Prop Six? Where that was also an attack on Prop 13, uh, where they were attempting to, uh, if I remember right, to divide it so that only some properties would be covered and others would not be covered. Could you remind us about that and yeah. how the voters great, gratefully stood up against that uh, attack? Yes, this was November of 2020. It was Prop 15. It was actually Prop 15. Prop- okay. Proposition 15, and it was a split role. It said that commercial property would be reassessed to market value every year. And, you know, how does that help us? If businesses are trying to hang on in California, and all of a sudden you're saying your property tax rate is going to go up, your property tax bill, rather, is going to go up every year based on the market value of real estate, which no one can control. And the money's just going to roll into Sacramento, and no one will have to vote for it because every time the market value of property goes up, all that commercial real estate, everything, shopping malls, small businesses, restaurants, hotels, office buildings, self-storage facilities, movie theaters, everything reassessed to market value every year. Crazy. And the voters said no. The voters said don't mess with Prop 13. I think when you poll the issue, people really believe, and rightly so, that after they get done collapsing the commercial market, they're coming after the homeowners. You know, that's where the money is. You come after the homeowners. So we all understand the situation that this is just an effort to endlessly raise your taxes. And Prop 13 is the best taxpayer protection that's ever been enacted in the history of the United States. And they have not stopped hacking at it, not just in the legislature, but also in the courts. They have not stopped hacking at it since it was enacted in 1978. Right. And let's again remember that the real estate values um, for the for commercial property, that is not making the business owner richer until they actually sell the business. They don't have more money to pay taxes with. The taxes have to be paid liquidly with with cash, essentially, whereas your property value goes up. It doesn't mean anything in your pocket unless you sell the business. So, yeah, this this was a direct attack, and, and such a thing would be even more disastrous now after COVID and all the shutdowns and so many businesses are, are struggling anyway to just add this kind of tax increase on them that has to be paid essentially up front uh, or you're out of business. You've got, to, you've got to sell it, cash in what you can, and then the next business owner has to deal with the exact same problem. They're, they're yeah. not going to say, well, you paid so much for that, that property. That's what your taxes are. They're going to jack it up and up and up anyway. Um, and like you said, that's only step one for them to come after the, the next move, which is to come after the, the housing market and uh, just price people right out of their homes. Exactly. Okay, so let's once again, let's take a break here. Uh, we're up against it. So let's hear again from Ed Hoffman of United American Mortgage, the place to go for your real estate lending needs. We'll be back in a minute. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage and host of the main event right here on AM590 The Answer. Mortgage rates are up, but credit card rates are way higher, and credit card balances have hit an all-time high as inflation puts the squeeze on everyone's budget, not to mention how auto loan rates and payments have gone through the roof. Let me point out, it doesn't matter how low your existing mortgage interest rate is if you can't make the payments on everything else. Are you wondering what to do? Do you need some financial strategy? Want to talk to someone who thinks like you? Call me at 855-640-2020. We'll discuss a strategy that works for you today and also considers what happens when the interest rates drop as we move into the inevitable recession. 
To have that discussion, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020, or go to edhoffman.net and click on the United American Mortgage logo. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921. United American Mortgage Corporation, NMLS ID number 1942. United American Mortgage Corporation is an equal housing lender and licensed by the California Department of Real Estate. AM 590, the answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for that most important political office, that of the private citizen. I'm Doug Hauser of the Redlands Tea Party Patriots and the Unite IE Coalition of Conservative Patriot Groups. I'm pleased to be talking to Susan Shelley, uh, who is, has been a guest with that Redlands Tea Party many times, talking about taxes. She is the Vice President of Communications for the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association and an opinion columnist at the Southern California News Group and a member of that editorial board. Uh, so we were just talking about the two uh, at- coming up attacks on Prop 13, and those are going to have to be put to a vote. And one of them is a direct attack on Prop 13, and the other is an attack on any kind of tax-saving measure by trying to lower the threshold for passing tax increases from a two-thirds vote of the population to a 55%. So hopefully all our listeners and all sensible people will uh, do what we just did and defeat this at the ballot uh, in next November. So uh, Susan is going to talk to us now about, is it a ballot initiative or proposed ballot initiative to repeal the death tax? So tell us about that, Susan. Well, we're really excited about this. Last year, we we made an effort to fix the flaw in Proposition 19. In, In 2020, the voters enacted just barely by a narrow, narrow margin Proposition 19, which looked like it was a help, it was going to help wildfire victims. It was going to help seniors move to a new home without a higher tax. It did. It was. It's fine. Nobody's doing anything to that. But buried in the fine print was the largest property tax increase in the history of California. And this was a tax on property that's passed from parents to children. It used to be the case from 1986 forward that parents and children could transfer their principal residence, regardless of value, and up to a million dollars of assessed value, your taxable value, of other property. The home of any value and up to a million dollars of assessed value of other property, like a business, like a vacation cabin, like a rental home or a duplex, without any change to the property tax bill. And Prop 19 took that away. That protection is gone. Mm. And in its place, everything is reassessed to current market value when transferred between parents and children with only narrow exceptions, and they're capped. Even the exceptions are capped so that people get tax increases anyway. And it's been devastating. Even the the protection for the primary residence is removed? Well, if the primary residence of the parent becomes the primary residence of the child permanently, Within one year, you must do it within one year or you lose it. And if you move out again, you lose it. So you have to move in within one year, stay forever, and then you get an additional $1 million of your market value protected from a tax increase. But if you're living in one of the cities where property has appreciated more than that, everything over that million dollars of extra value plus your taxable value that exists is reassessed to market value and added to your assessment. So you can get a $5,000 a year tax increase very easily uh, with wow. something like that. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's pretty harsh. 
So people are very upset, and everyone who has uh, an apartment building, people who are who inherit a mom and pop apartment building, four units, eight units, that's been in the family for a long time, that's been producing income, or even a small duplex where one of the units is rented, reassess to market value because that's not the primary residence, so that doesn't qualify for the exclusion. So what happens to the tenants when that when that older apartment building? is reassessed to current market value and the new tax bill, the annual tax bill, goes up so high and the building's under rent control, it's very likely that those units will just be removed from the market, which means everybody gets evicted. And then what happens to everybody who's who's going to go look for an apartment with all these older apartment buildings, buildings being sold and demolished because of this tax increase? And why are we doing this? There's no good reason for it. So I was just voters- going to ask that. What happens... If the the owner cannot afford to pay the taxes, but you're saying basically that's what happened. It's sold. The mm-hmm. people all have to move out. It's demolished and changed into something else, commercial. Something else, right, something. because nobody can make it pencil out with the rents low under rent control. Many times these mom-and-pop buildings, they haven't raised the rent as much as they were allowed to under rent control mm-hmm. because they have relationships with the tenants and they just don't want to. They don't need it. They don't want to gouge them. But once these taxes go up, they can't recoup all of those rent increases they would have been allowed to make but didn't. They're just stuck. They're just stuck. Right. They can raise the rent however much they can under rent control. And if it's not enough to pay the tax bill, that is not a viable business. It's similar to what we were just talking about with the commercial real estate. Even though the assessed value is going up, that's not putting any more cash right. into exactly. the owner's hands, but they've got to pay the tax in cash. Exactly. And and the interest rates are going up, and it's not so easy to manage these situations. So people are going to sell these buildings, and they're going to sell these little restaurants that people own. The businesses that have been built up over two or three generations, and they pass to the next generation, now they're reassessed to market value. Good luck. A small restaurant that, that just barely hung on during COVID and probably has a big extra loan because they had to go build a patio because the county wouldn't let people <laughs> eat inside the restaurant. So they're paying that off. And if you're in Los Angeles, then you've got all these extra permit fees that they're going to try to collect from you now. I mean, it's very rough. And if this business is passed to the next generation and the property tax bill goes up, and that's not like an estate tax where it's one time. This is every year as a condition of keeping the property. So it's very harsh. We are going to fix it. And here's how we're going to fix it. We have a one-page initiative. You can download this in your house. You can print this on your own printer with your own computer or at Staples or Office, FedEx Office or anywhere you want to go where they will take the file and print it for you. It's, it prints on regular letter-sized paper. It is a one-page petition. Go to repealthedeathtax.com. That's the only thing you have to remember is repealthedeathtax.com. And when you go there... You can download the PDF. It has complete instructions. It even has a little mailing label to cut out and tape to the envelope. You fill out the petition. You are your own circulator. You don't need anybody standing in front of the supermarket with a clipboard. You are the circulator witnessing your own signature as a voter. You fill out both sections of the petition. You put it in an envelope. You mail it back to the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association. And we think we can get 2 million signatures doing this. We need 875,000. And we have to get it done by about the middle of January. So we're asking everyone to download the petition right now at repealthedeathtax.com, fill it out, send it back, and 
How, can, how many it, signatures will that one page take? Is it designed for just one signature? It's designed for two. It will take two, two. signatures. Okay, so everybody but and you, their spouse or get every, one neighbor to sign it. Right. And you just write the county where you're registered to vote. Your address, you know how to do this. Your, right. your address where you're registered to vote. You sign it. You fill out the declaration of circulator. You sign it. You fold it up. You put it in an envelope, you send it back to Howard Jarvis. And if everybody in the state of California does this at the same time, that's how fast we can collect these signatures. And you can print as many of these petitions as you want to. You can print 50 of them and get signatures all up and down the block if you want to. Right. Uh, and you can send this link. The best thing to do is send the link by email. Because if you tell everyone on your address list to go to repealthedeathtax.com, and download the petition, and they all do it, and then they all send it to their address list, we'll cover the state of California in no time. And then everyone can do this in their own house. You don't have to go talk to strangers at a table. You don't have to go look for petition collectors outside of a supermarket or a Costco with a clipboard. You don't need any of that. You can do the whole thing at your kitchen table. Excellent. I'm going to send this information to my uh, not inconsiderable mailing lists that, that I have available to me. So we'll definitely fight this. So, yeah, that's that's a really good one. Um, so that's all, it's already been approved and it's ready to go as we speak. And you've yes. got through January, okay, to do this. Yes. But don't don't uh, don't wait for the holiday season. Let's do it before uh, before Halloween and Thanksgiving kick in, because <laughs> yeah, the then everybody the gets distracted in the holiday season. So the that's the that's really excellent. And that will once again, what will it exactly do? It will put back the old rules for property transfers, so that parents okay. and children will be able to transfer their principal residence of any value, without any requirement to live in it or stay in it or anything, your principal residence of any value and up to a million dollars of assessed value of other property, and it's retroactive. So for anyone who got stuck with a parent-child transfer while Prop 19 was in effect, if you got stuck, you'll be able to get your Prop 13 back again. You'll be able to get your old base, because they call it the trended base year value. You won't get the money back, but your tax rates will go down again. Exit your, yes, your assessed value will go down again. You'll okay. be able to get your, as if the reassessment didn't happen is what right. it would be. But okay. you, we, Excellent. we can't get, we can't get the refunds because it was a legal tax wallet. Right, was in right. Effect. And as we said, for most people, for the huge majority of people, their home is their family wealth. Most people do not have huge bank accounts, stock portfolios. Uh, you know, they're not driving around $150,000 Porsches like uh, a certain, uh, president's son that we could name <laughs> most people their home is their lifelong investment that they've put it in and that's their family wealth so i want to thank you so very much this was really interesting excellent and uh something that people our listeners can actually do to help the situation go to that website repeal download that petition print it out fill it in stick the label on an envelope stick a stamp on it and send it in so, I want to thank you so much for being with us, Susan. Thank you, Doug. Always a pleasure. Great. And I want everybody to tune in next week for another exciting edition of Unite IE Radio. AM 590, the answer. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.